chapter two of the step by anton chekhov translated by constance garnett eighteen sixty one to nineteen forty six this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine chapter two towards midday the chaise turned off the road to the right it went on a little way at walking pace and then stopped yegorushka heard a soft very caressing gurgle and felt a different air breathe on his face with a cool velvety touch through a little pipe of hemlock stuck there by some unknown benefactor water was running in a thin trickle from a low hill put together by nature of huge monstrous stones it fell to the ground and limpid sparkling gaily in the sun and softly murmuring as though fancying itself a great tempestuous torrent flowed swiftly away to the left not far from its source the little stream spread itself out into a pool the burning sunbeams and the parched soil greedily drank it up and sucked away its strength but a little further on it must have mingled with another rivulet for a hundred paces away thick reeds showed green and luxuriant along its course and three snipe flew up from them with a loud cry as the chaise drove by the travellers got out to rest by the stream and feed the horses kuzmitchov father christopher and yegorushka sat down on a mat in the narrow strip of shade cast by the chaise and the unharnessed horses the nice pleasant thought that the heat had imprinted in father christopher's brain craved expression after he had had a drink of water and eaten a hard-boiled egg he bent a friendly look upon yegorushka munched and began i studied too my boy from the earliest age god instilled into me good sense and understanding so that while i was just such a lad as you i was beyond others a comfort to my parents and preceptors by my good sense before i was fifteen i could speak and make verses in latin just as in russian i was the crozier-bearer to his holiness bishop christopher after mass one day as i remember it was the patron saint's day of his majesty tsar alexander pavlovitch of blessed memory he unrobed at the altar looked kindly at me and asked puer bone quam appellaris and i answered christopheris sum and he said ergo conominati sumus that is that we were namesakes then he asked in latin whose son are you to which i answered also in latin that i was the son of deacon sarysky of the village of lebedinskoye seeing my readiness and the clearness of my answers his holiness blessed me and said write to your father that i will not forget him and that i will keep you in view the holy priests and fathers who were standing round the altar hearing our discussion in latin were not a little surprised and every one expressed his pleasure in praise of me before i had moustaches my boy i could read latin greek and french i knew philosophy mathematics secular history and all the sciences the lord gave me a marvellous memory sometimes if i read a thing once or twice i knew it by heart my preceptors and patrons were amazed and so they expected i should make a learned man a luminary of the church i did think of going to kiev to continue my studies but my parents did not approve you'll be studying all your life said my father when shall we see you finished hearing such words i gave up study and took a post of course i did not become a learned man but then i did not disobey my parents 
i was a comfort to them in their old age and gave them a creditable funeral obedience is more than fasting and prayer i suppose you've forgotten all your learning observed kuzmitchov i should think so thank god i have reached my eightieth year something of philosophy and rhetoric i do remember but languages and mathematics i have quite forgotten father christopher screwed up his eyes thought a minute and said in an undertone what is a substance a creature is a self-existing object not requiring anything else for its completion he shook his head and laughed with feeling spiritual nourishment he said of a truth matter nourishes the flesh and spiritual nourishment the soul learning is all very well sighed kuzmitchov but if we don't overtake varlamov learning won't do much for us a man isn't a needle we shall find him he must be going his rounds in these parts among the sedge were flying the three snipe they had seen before and in their plaintive cries there was a note of alarm and vexation at having been driven away from the stream the horses were steadily munching and snorting deniska walked about by them and trying to appear indifferent to the cucumbers pies and eggs that the gentry were eating he concentrated himself on the gadflies and horseflies that were fastening upon the horses backs and bellies he squashed his victims apathetically emitting a peculiar fiendishly triumphant guttural sound and when he missed them cleared his throat with an air of vexation and looked after every lucky one that escaped death deniska where are you come and eat said kuzmitchov heaving a deep sigh a sign that he had had enough deniska diffidently approached the mat and picked out five thick and yellow cucumbers he did not venture to take the smaller and fresher ones took two hard-boiled eggs that looked dark and were cracked then irresolutely as though afraid he might get a blow on his outstretched hand touched a pie with his finger take them take them kuzmitchov urged him on deniska took the pies resolutely and moving some distance away sat down on the grass with his back to the chaise at once there was such a sound of loud munching that even the horses turned round to look suspiciously at deniska after his meal kuzmitchov took a sack containing something out of the chaise and said to yegorushka i am going to sleep and you mind that no one takes a sack from under my head father christopher took off his cassock his girdle and his full coat and yegorushka looking at him was dumb with astonishment he had never imagined that priests wore trousers and father christopher had on real canvas trousers thrust into high boots and a short striped jacket looking at him yegorushka thought that in this costume so unsuitable to his dignified position he looked with his long hair and beard very much like robinson crusoe after taking off their outer garments kuzmitchov and father christopher lay down in the shade under the chaise facing one another and closed their eyes deniska who had finished munching stretched himself out on his back and also closed his eyes you look out that no one takes away the horses he said to yegorushka and at once fell asleep stillness reigned there was no sound except the munching and snorting of the horses and the snoring of the sleepers somewhere far away a lapwing wailed and from time to time there sounded the shrill cries of the three snipe who had flown up to see whether their uninvited visitors had gone away the rivulet babbled lisping softly but all these sounds did not break the stillness 
did not stir the stagnation but on the contrary lulled all nature to slumber yegorushka gasping with the heat which was particularly oppressive after a meal ran to the sedge and from there surveyed the country he saw exactly the same as he had in the morning the plain the low hills the sky the lilac distance only the hills stood nearer and he could not see the windmill which had been left far behind from behind the rocky hill from which the stream flowed rose another smoother and broader a little hamlet of five or six homesteads clung to it no people no trees no shade were to be seen about the huts it looked as though the hamlet had expired in the burning air and was dried up to while away the time yegorushka caught a grasshopper in the grass held it in his closed hand to his ear and spent a long time listening to the creature playing on its instrument when he was weary of its music he ran after a flock of yellow butterflies who were flying towards the sedge on the watercourse and found himself again beside the chaise without noticing how he came there his uncle and father christopher were sound asleep their sleep would be sure to last two or three hours till the horses had rested how was he to get through that long time and where was he to get away from the heat a hard problem mechanically yegorushka put his lips to the trickle that ran from the water-pipe there was a chilliness in his mouth and there was the smell of hemlock he drank at first eagerly then went on with effort till the sharp cold had run from his mouth all over his body and the water was spilt on his shirt then he went up to the chaise and began looking at the sleeping figures his uncle's face wore as before an expression of business-like reserve fanatically devoted to his work kuzmitchov always even in his sleep and at church when they were singing like the cherubim thought about his business and could never forget it for a moment and now he was probably dreaming about bales of wool wagons prices varlamov father christopher now a soft frivolous and absurd person had never all his life been conscious of anything which could like a boa constrictor coil about his soul and hold it tight in all the numerous enterprises he had undertaken in his day what attracted him was not so much the business itself but the bustle and the contact with other people involved in every undertaking thus in the present expedition he was not so much interested in wool in varlamov and in prices as in the long journey the conversations on the way the sleeping under a chaise and the meals at odd times and now judging from his face he must have been dreaming of bishop christopher of the latin discussion of his wife of puffs and cream and all sorts of things that kuzmitchov could not possibly dream of while yegorushka was watching their sleeping faces he suddenly heard a soft singing somewhere at a distance a woman was singing and it was difficult to tell where and in what direction the song was subdued dreary and melancholy like a dirge and hardly audible and seemed to come first from the right then from the left then from above and then from underground as though an unseen spirit were hovering over the step and singing yegorushka looked about him and could not make out where the strange song came from then as he listened he began to fancy that the grass was singing in its song withered and half dead it was without words but plaintively and passionately urging that it was not to blame that the sun was burning it for no fault of its own 
it urged that it ardently longed to live that it was young and might have been beautiful but for the heat and the drought it was guiltless but yet it prayed forgiveness and protested that it was in anguish sad and sorry for itself yegorushka listened for a little and it began to seem as though this dreary mournful song made the air hotter more suffocating and more stagnant to drown the singing he ran to the sedge humming to himself and trying to make a noise with his feet from there he looked about in all directions and found out who was singing near the furthest hut in the hamlet stood a peasant woman in a short petticoat with long thin legs like a heron she was sewing something a white dust floated languidly from her sieve down the hillock now it was evident that she was singing a couple of yards from her a little bareheaded boy in nothing but a smock was standing motionless as though fascinated by the song he stood stock still staring away into the distance probably at yegorushka's crimson shirt the song ceased yegorushka sauntered back to the chaise and to while away the time went again to the trickle of water and again there was the sound of the dreary song it was the same long-legged peasant woman in the hamlet over the hill yegorushka's boredom came back again he left the pipe and looked upwards what he saw was so unexpected that he was a little frightened just above his head on one of the big clumsy stones stood a chubby little boy wearing nothing but a shirt with a prominent stomach and thin legs the same boy who had been standing before by the peasant woman he was gazing with open mouth and unblinking eyes at yegorushka's crimson shirt and at the chaise with a look of blank astonishment and even fear as though he saw before him creatures of another world the red colour of the shirt charmed and allured him but the chaise and the men sleeping under it excited his curiosity perhaps he had not noticed how the agreeable red colour and curiosity had attracted him down from the hamlet and now probably he was surprised at his own boldness for a long while yegorushka stared at him and he at yegorushka both were silent and conscious of some awkwardness after a long silence yegorushka asked what's your name the stranger's cheeks puffed out more than ever he pressed his back against the rock opened his eyes wide moved his lips and answered in a husky bass tit the boys said not another word to each other after a brief silence still keeping his eyes fixed on yegorushka the mysterious tit kicked up one leg felt with his heel for a niche and clambered up the rock from that point he ascended to the next rock staggering backwards and looking intently at yegorushka as though afraid he might hit him from behind and so made his way upwards till he disappeared altogether behind the crest of the hill after watching him out of sight yegorushka put his arms round his knees and leaned his head on them the burning sun scorched the back of his head his neck and his spine the melancholy song died away then floated again on the stagnant stifling air the rivulet gurgled monotonously the horses munched and time dragged on endlessly as though it too were stagnant and had come to a standstill it seemed as though a hundred years had passed since the morning could it be that god's world the chaise and the horses would come to a standstill in that air and like the hills turn to stone and remain forever in one spot yegorushka raised his head 
and with smarting eyes looked before him the lilac distance which till then had been motionless began heaving and with the sky floated away into the distance it drew after it the brown grass the sedge and with extraordinary swiftness yegorushka floated after the flying distance some force noiselessly drew him onwards and the heat and the wearisome song flew after in pursuit yegorushka bent his head and shut his eyes deniska was the first to wake up something must have bitten him for he jumped up quickly scratched his shoulder and said plague take you cursed idolater then he went to the brook had a drink and slowly washed his splashing and puffing roused yegorushka from his lethargy the boy looked at his wet face with drops of water and big freckles which made it look like marble and asked shall we soon be going deniska looked at the height of the sun and answered i expect so he dried himself with the tail of his shirt and making a very serious face hopped on one leg i say which of us will get to the sedge first he asked yegorushka was exhausted by the heat and drowsiness but he raced off after him all the same deniska was in his twentieth year was a coachman and going to be married but he had not left off being a boy he was very fond of flying kites chasing pigeons playing knuckle-bones running races and always took part in children's games and disputes no sooner had his master turned his back or gone to sleep than deniska would begin doing something such as hopping on one leg or throwing stones it was hard for any grown-up person seeing the genuine enthusiasm with which he frolicked about in the society of children to resist saying what a baby children on the other hand saw nothing strange in the invasion of their domain by the big coachman let him play they thought as long as he doesn't fight in the same way little dogs see nothing strange in it when a simple-hearted big dog joins their company uninvited and begins playing with them deniska outstripped yegorushka and was evidently very much pleased at having done so he winked at him and to show that he could hop on one leg any distance suggested to yegorushka that he should hop with him along the road and from there without resting back to the chaise yegorushka declined this suggestion for he was very much out of breath and exhausted all at once deniska looked very grave as he did not look even when kuzmitchov gave him a scolding or threatened him with a stick listening intently he dropped quietly on one knee and an expression of sternness and alarm came into his face such as one sees in people who hear heretical talk he fixed his eyes on one spot raised his hand curved into a hollow and suddenly fell on his stomach on the ground and slapped the hollow of his hand down upon the grass caught he wheezed triumphantly and getting up lifted a big grasshopper to yegorushka's eyes the two boys stroked the grasshopper's broad green back with their fingers and touched his antennae supposing that this would please the creature then deniska caught a fat fly that had been sucking blood and offered it to the grasshopper the latter moved his huge jaws that were like the visor of a helmet with the utmost unconcern as though he had been long acquainted with deniska and bit off the fly's stomach they let him go with a flash of the pink lining of his wings he flew down into the grass and at once began his churring notes again they let the fly go too it preened its wings and without its stomach flew off to the horses 
a loud sigh was heard from under the chaise it was kuzmitchov waking up he quickly raised his head looked uneasily into the distance and from that look which passed by yegorushka and deniska without sympathy or interest it could be seen that his thought on awaking was of the wool and of varlamov father christopher get up it is time to start he said anxiously wake up we've slept too long as it is deniska put the horses in father christopher woke up with the same smile with which he had fallen asleep his face looked creased and wrinkled from sleep and seemed only half the size after washing and dressing he proceeded without haste to take out of his pocket a little greasy salter and standing with his face towards the east began in a whisper repeating the psalms of the day and crossing himself father christopher said kuzmitchov reproachfully it's time to start the horses are ready and here are you upon my word in a minute in a minute muttered father christopher i must read the psalms i haven't read them to-day the psalms can wait ivan ivanitch that is my rule every day i can't god will overlook it for a full quarter of an hour father christopher stood facing the east and moving his lips while kuzmitchov looked at him almost with hatred and impatiently shrugged his shoulders he was particularly irritated when after every hallelujah father christopher drew a long breath rapidly crossed himself and repeated three times intentionally raising his voice so that the others might cross themselves hallelujah 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 glory be to thee o lord at last he smiled looked upwards at the sky and putting the psalter in his pocket said finis a minute later the chaise had started on the road as though it were going backwards and not forwards the travellers saw the same scene as they had before midday the low hills were still plunged in the lilac distance and no end could be seen to them there were glimpses of high grass and heaps of stones strips of stubble land passed by them and still the same rooks the same hawk moving its wings with slow dignity moved over the steppe the air was more sultry than ever from the sultry heat and the stillness submissive nature was spellbound into silence no wind no fresh cheering sound no cloud but at last when the sun was beginning to sink into the west the steppe the hills and the air could bear the oppression no longer and driven out of all patience exhausted tried to fling off the yoke a fleecy ashen-grey cloud unexpectedly appeared behind the hills it exchanged glances with the steppe as though to say here i am and frown suddenly something burst in the stagnant air there was a violent squall of wind which whirled round and round roaring and whistling over the steppe at once a murmur rose from the grass and last year's dry herbage the dust curled in spiral eddies over the road raced over the steppe and carrying with it straws dragonflies and feathers rose up in a whirling black column towards the sky and darkened the sun prickly uprooted plants ran stumbling and leaping in all directions over the steppe and one of them got caught in the whirlwind turned round and round like a bird flew towards the sky and turning into a little black speck vanished from sight after it flew another and then a third and yegorushka saw two of them meet in the blue height and clutch at one another as though they were wrestling a bustard flew up by the very road 
fluttering his wings in his tail he looked bathed in the sunshine like an angler's glittering tin fish or a water-fly flashing so swiftly over the water that its wings cannot be told from its antennae which seemed to be growing before behind and on all sides quivering in the air like an insect with a shimmer of bright colours the bustard flew high up in a straight line then probably frightened by a cloud of dust swerved to one side and for a long time the gleam of his wings could be seen then a corncrake flew up from the grass alarmed by the hurricane and not knowing what was the matter it flew with the wind and not against it like all the other birds so that all its feathers were ruffled up and it was puffed out to the size of a hen and looked very angry and impressive only the rooks who had grown old on the steppe and were accustomed to his vagaries hovered calmly over the grass or taking no notice of anything went on unconcernedly pecking with their stout beaks at the hard earth there was a dull roll of thunder beyond the hills there came a whiff of fresh air deniska gave a cheerful whistle and lashed his horses father christopher and kuzmitchov held their hats and looked intently towards the hills how pleasant a shower of rain would have been one effort one struggle more and it seemed the steppe would have got the upper hand but the unseen oppressive force gradually riveted its fetters on the wind in the air laid the dust and the stillness came back again as though nothing had happened the cloud hid the sun-baked hills frowned submissively the air grew calm and only somewhere the troubled lapwings wailed and lamented their destiny soon after that the evening came on end of chapter two recording by expatriate in bangor maine